Jamie Nye with you here on the Green Zone on this Tuesday afternoon. National Championship game last night. Uh, not as disappointing as last year. Uh, last year's National Championship. What? How did, bad did Georgia win that game? Like by 58 points or something ridiculous like that. Um, but uh, Michigan ran away with it. It was pretty close, actually, in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then Michigan started to run away with it. Big interception. And uh, the quarterback for Washington, Penix Jr., was beat up last night. And now we'll see where Jim Harbaugh is going to end up. The head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. Of course, he uh, helped coach the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl, where they lost to his brother. Uh, It was a cool moment, actually, last night before the game as Jim Harbaugh is getting ready and prepared and He's got his headset on, and he looks really intense. And his brother, John, head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, taps him on the shoulder, and he doesn't move. He doesn't react. And then there, he kind of John kind of leans over, and it's like, oh, hey, bro, how's it going? And uh, hugs. And now Jim says he can sit at the uh, big boys' table at the uh, Harbaugh Christmases because their father uh, won a national championship as a coach. John won a Super Bowl as a coach. Jim has now won a championship of his own as a coach. Uh, So some NFL teams will be knocking on that door uh, when, if uh, Jim Harbaugh announces he's not going back to Michigan. Football at four with Britton Gray. He's our Green Zone rider reporter, Britton Gray, for the second straight day, was on a lengthy, is it, is it, uh, were they doing Teams meetings? Was it a Zoom? Uh, what were you on today from Nashville with the CFL winter meetings? Microsoft Teams. That's what the CFL's been using for the winter meetings. Okay, so it was yesterday yes. with Corey Mace. Today it was Jeremy O'Day for over 20 minutes. And the big topic right off the gate was, okay, uh, this transactions uh, thing with Trevor Harris, <laughs> did you restructure his deal? And yes, they have. Yeah, which uh, which makes sense, especially a quarterback coming off an injury. And this is usually what happens. You Teams, uh, we saw it in Hamilton, Bo Levi Mitchell restructures his contract. It's kind of how you free up the space to try and bring in the talent to make a Grey Cup run because people who are going to stick around, they want raises to come back for the most part. And, I mean, if you're going to find savings, the quarterback spot is where you kind of need to find it with how much uh, they are getting paid in terms of how much they take up of the salary cap. So we talked about how much of a good team guy Trevor Harris was or is uh, for doing this and agreeing to it and taking less money, although he'll still be paid pretty good salary. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be all right. <laughs> um, but he was also asked about the next one up uh, for the quarterback position of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We're evaluating that. You know, do we have a guy that's in house? Do we do we see um, other guys that are uh, potentially free agents that could be uh, franchise guys? Those are those are the things that we're going through now. But it's um, you know your right right to uh, to bring it up that um, you know we have to make sure that we're prepared for uh, for the future and and uh, what does that what does it look like at that position? So it's something that we're we're uh, we're looking at. Okay, would you like to play a general manager here, uh, Britton Gray? Britton Gray, I could uh, try general manager of the Rough Riders. Who who would you have as priority number one to be the backup and maybe future franchise quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Tom Brady. <sighs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, okay, seriously. Uh, I I would bring back Jake Dolagala and at least give him a third year to prove that he continues to take steps in his development. It's the uh, it's do you continue to improve? And with Mason Fine, it's it felt like the ceiling's there and Jake's ceiling is higher. Does he reach that ceiling? Is really the main thing. I'd bring him back. And then you look around the league and you do have to see who's out there. Drew Brown is the name that's getting tossed around. Uh, I was on there during Kyle Walters's. Uh, portion of the day and he pretty much admitted it's going to be very tough to keep Drew Brown in Winnipeg because he wants to go somewhere to start that's not happening in Winnipeg they, is it happening anywhere in the CFL that's where is, you look around where Ottawa there's some quarterback controversy there I guess I mean but they like Dustin Crum like they like Dustin Crum uh, if, if Masoli's healthy he's still around like I go he's wherever he goes he's fighting for a job and it may yes. not be the number one job. I mean, it, it's it's a tough spot for quarterbacks just because there's so few landing spots. Uh, Calgary, like, is Jake, are they really sold on Jake Mayer after last year? Does he view that as an easier path to a starting job than in Winnipeg? It's going to be interesting where Drew Brown goes. Should the Rough Riders aggressively pursue Drew Brown? Aggressive? No. Really? I don't think you need to be aggressive about it. If the price tag is right, absolutely you should go out and get him because he's proven what he can do with the best roster in the CFL. That's where my thing with Drew Brown is, is that he's done it with a team that is really well built around him. Mm-hmm. You could just hand the ball you're, off to Brady. Br- so you're Brock Purdy a little Drew bit, Brown right now. A little bit. You want to see what they can do when it's not the best roster in the CFL is all I'm saying, which I don't think anyone's assuming the Riders are all of a sudden going to have the best roster in the CFL, though we'll see what happens in free agency. So that's why I'm not saying you go out and sign him to a deal worth a starter money, another $500,000 quarterback on the mm-hmm. roster. But if the price tag's there, if he's willing to take some um, incent- like performance-based incentives, a contract like that, Sure, why not? Why not bring him in? And if he gets a chance to start and blows your expectations away, then pay him the money that he deserves. Yeah, I'm I'm putting Drew Brown above Jake Dolagel and Mason Fine on my priority list uh, for a backup quarterback for potential. I just that that's where I would be, anyways. Uh, he also uh, Jeremy O'Day talked about Derek Moncrief did the same thing. Corey Mace said yesterday, uh, C.J. Revis got that job. Yeah, uh, and is some a young and up and coming defensive player. They're really excited about free agency. Uh, interested to hear this on January the ninth. Lot, lots of free agents, so uh, lots, lots of moving parts. Um, you know, with a with a new staff, a new head coach. Um, some of those evaluations, to be quite honest, are, are even still going on now. Um, of uh, evaluating those positions and um, how they fit in with uh, the the philosophy, the the. Uh, uh, the structure of of how we're going to set up the team is 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 something we're still going through right now. That's what I was. Like. Mm, I don't know. I had a, a month away from free agency, I think the team should be pretty sol- solid on what the evaluations are from each player. He said it when it came to Dolagal and Fine. Still going to in that evaluation to see what works best with Mark. I imagine Mark already knew before he took the job which quarterbacks yes. he liked and did not like. And would have had it in the meetings, uh, so uh, we'll see. We're well, well, less than a month away from the negotiating window mm-hmm. uh, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 
as things are about to get interesting, aren't they? <laughs> they really are, especially with the Riders. I mean, a team after another seven uh, seven game losing streak ends your season. You miss playoffs again. Change is expected. Expect a lot of changes, which might mean some tough ones. It's Jamal Morrow is a guy who we're kind of is he coming back? Where's this contract extension? Uh, I think you think he earned one with how he played last year. They but... only have two running backs under contract. It's that Ely, uh, the mm-hmm. young guy, uh, college player, and Thomas Bertrand Houdon. That's it under contract. Frankie Hickson and Jamal Morrow are both potential free agents. And do they fit with how this offense wants to run the ball? When I look back at Calgary with Corey Mace and Toronto, they like bruising running backs. They like guys who will go head down and go through the middle of the field and uh, who a little bit shiftier like Jamal Morrow is than speed. So maybe that's what they view. Maybe they are waiting a little bit to see what they're hearing about who's signing where. So Andrew Harris and AJ Ouellette for the Toronto yeah. Argonauts offense. <laughs> Some big boys running the ball. Kadeem Carey in Calgary. Yep. Like those are like when I view the running back spot. The running backs who Corey Mace have had have been bruisers, and so maybe that's where they go. What What is Mark Mueller like? Like you said, there, there's going to be change. Some change I'm sure fans might not like when it comes down to it, but they have to fix something. Something went terribly wrong once again in Saskatchewan, so things are going to be very interesting, and that's that's exciting about this free agency. New coach, new staff, new philosophies, bunch of new faces. Uh, they're in Nashville for the winter meetings. The... Uh... Rules committee sitting down tonight uh, and tomorrow. They'll talk about rule changes. The number one thing on the agenda is the dribble kick. Uh, Britain, you asked Jeremy O'Day his thoughts on the quirky little rule that Montreal took advantage of. Kind of impartial to it. And part of me says uh, it's a little bit gimmicky and it's a little bit silly, but it's also, it kind of makes our league unique. Yes, it makes the league unique. That's why I'm keeping it. Keep the uniqueness of the Canadian Football League, please. Any little quirky rules like that that are like been in the rule book forever and someone goes, hey, let's try it. And that happens and it's being shared and people in the States are talking about it. Look at this little gimmicky rule that they have. That's a good thing, Britain Gray. You mean you don't want just let's go to four down football? That's a fair catch. Let's just. You copy want, and paste the yeah, NFL copy, you rule. You don't want to do that. Let's have touchbacks and guys waving their hand in the air for a fair catch. That's fun. <laughs> no, it, it's a good rule. It's fun. It's interesting. And I've always had the mind step mindset. If you don't like it, stop it. it that's what you need to do. Is that, is that where you were on Jameis Winston in the uh, New Orleans Saints? I was though, as people point out, victory formation. It's kind of that unwritten rule that you're not so supposed to go all out when the team gets into victory formation. So, especially in the last yeah. game of the regular season, everybody's like going home, their season's done. I thought that was a cheap move. Uh, other uh, football news: National Football League. Mike Vrabel. I was a little bit surprised uh, with Tennessee Titans. He's been good there. Mm-hmm. They had a Terrible year, quarterback health and all of it with Will Levis and Ryan Tannehill. It was all over the place for the Tennessee Titans. Um, but how quickly is Mike Frabel, the new head coach of the New England Patriots, to replace Bill Belichick? I assume he's on a plane right now to New England. <laughs> <laughs> There's some reporters talking about, you know, that there was scuttlebutt on trying to make a trade for Mike Vrabel, but the timing on that and everything, it was convoluted. So I better just. And I was like, well, if they're talking about a trade for the coach, like, okay, 
That would be the, the New England Patriots. When was the last time? Was Bell Belichick the last trade for a coach? Like, coaches don't, don't want, get traded don't, often anymore. I don't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about a trade for a coach. <laughs> no, am I missing something? John Gruden was traded from the Raiders oh, to the Tampa yes. Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> That's right. And uh, let's just say they met each other in the Super Bowl in which Derek Brooks was on NFL Films on the sideline, the great linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Evidently, Bill Callahan, the new head coach who replaced John Gruden, thought not to change any of the plays. And Derek Brooks legit said on NFL Films, we practiced against this all week. Like they, John Gruden made the offense in Oakland and <laughs> Bill was too dumb to change anything. And they got smoked by the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. I remember that coaching trade uh, very well. More coaches to get traded. That's fun. I like a good coaching trade <laughs> in the National Football League. Bring it to the CFL. I don't know if a CFL coach has ever been traded. We'll have to ask Daryl tomorrow uh, for a double take. Britton Gray, uh, I forgot to say this uh, yesterday. Happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Woke up, both my knees were sore from a oh my run, double double header broom ball, double header broom ball on after Sunday your birthday after party. my birthday. Which <laughs> <laughs> how many people did you have on the bench for your broom ball game? How many? Uh, I think there was eight of us in total for the game. You need you six on the six on the ice, and then we got a couple more for the next one, so ten in total. So is... nice run around. To, uh, That's one way to work off a hangover, I guess. Uh, happy belated birthday <laughs> to Britain Gray. This is the Green Zone on 980 CJME and 650. Hey, oh, yeah. Life goes on. Long after the thrill of living is gone. Oh, yeah. Well, a good Tuesday afternoon. Snow still flying around Saskatchewan. Uh, checking out the highway hotline. Low visibility, especially now that the... Uh, Sun's starting to dip behind the horizon a little bit. Uh, it's even going to get uh, worse in some areas of Saskatchewan. Someone was texting us, Moose Jaw, not very favorable right now on the highways, especially south of Moose Jaw Highway 39 uh, in through Weyburn. Keep us up to date on the text line. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk a little Cleveland Browns football with Fred Greetham of the Orange and Brown Report. Could be a surprise team to look for in the NFL uh, playoffs. But right now, we're going to take you to uh, Philadelphia, where last night was an interesting one for the Flyers. Uh, they were taking on the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, got a little greasy there for a little bit. Uh, Evgeny Malkin chirping uh, the Flyers uh, from the penalty box. But it was what was going on off the ice that had a lot of people talking. Young man, Cutter Goche, Fifth overall pick of the NHL entry draft in 2022. Traded to the Anaheim Ducks because he didn't want to be a Philadelphia Flyer. Wouldn't even meet with them. Now, that's the thing that really ticks me off about this kid. Wouldn't even meet with them at the World Junior Hockey Championships uh, to go face-to-face with the brass of the Philadelphia Flyers. And let's just say Philadelphia Flyer fans, uh, not too impressed with young uh, Cutter Gauthier. Uh, Jordan Hall covers the Flyers for NBC Sports, uh, joins us now. Uh, Jordan, uh, as I said, I imagine it was an interesting night at the hockey rink last night. Yeah, never really a dull day here. And uh, last night was a great example of that during the first period um, of a Flyers-Penguins game, a game that's typically always on everyone's radar. It it totally took a back seat because of the news of Cutter Gauthier being traded. And 
apparently not wanting to play in Philadelphia. Um, it was stunning, stunning news. There were some small, subtle signs that maybe there was a little bit of a rift between Gauthier and the Flyers, but no one really saw this coming. Everyone thought he would eventually sign here and be a big part of their rebuild, but turns out he will not, and everyone's trying to find out exactly why he did not want to play in Philadelphia. Uh, was it because he liked Sidney Crosby so much? Like the, Just the irony of uh, uh, that video of him talking about how much he admires Sidney Crosby while the Flyers are taking on the Penguins and uh, people are trying to figure out why he didn't want to play for Philly, but I doubt it had anything to do with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I don't think it did. That That is, of course, a fun guess, but um, no one's really quite sure. The Flyers, even Denny Briere, the general manager, said they never got an answer for why he did not want to come here. And it was weird because he was so gung-ho on playing in Philadelphia, being a Flyer. He felt like he was built to be a Flyer when he was drafted in 2022. Um, and everyone thought this kid was just going to be a great fit, that he would absolutely jive with the city. And something changed. Danny Breer said it, it happened in May going into last summer after he played at the World Championships for the U.S. He changed his mind. He didn't want to play here. And the Flyers, I think, went on a full-court press. They tried everything to sway him. As you mentioned, they even sent Keith Jones, the president of Hockey Ops, along with Briere to Sweden at the World Juniors to try to meet with him. And they just said communication kind of evaporated, um, which was surprising. I mean, Jones and Briere are pretty universally liked in hockey, and they're and they're professionals um, and well-liked here in Philadelphia. And it was odd to see that he just did not want to really communicate and kind of wanted to kind of cut the cord and end things uh, for his stay, you know, really his stay that never really happened in Philadelphia. Is it all, I know we're speculating more than anything because nobody's heard from the kid uh, on reasons why, but is it the changeover of the front office? Like Keith Jones is new. He was a broadcaster. Now he's, you know, president, you know, uh, yeah, Briere, who's promoted to general manager over the last, you know, 18 months. John Tortorella took over in June just before that draft when they took him fifth overall. Do you think that had anything to do with it? Was the change in personnel in the front office? Yeah, I think that would be a very good guess. That's somewhat of what I was trying to think would be the reason. Uh, was a regime, was a regime change. The Flyers went through drastic change, as you mentioned, new president, new GM. Uh, they even had a new face of ownership in Dan Hilferty. Um, and, of course, John Tortorella was hired right around the draft. So perhaps some things developed in Gauthier um, and his, and his you know, and people in his corner maybe thought he'd be a better fit elsewhere. And maybe he just didn't like how things had developed in Philadelphia. But it, it certainly is puzzling because the Flyers are – promoting this rebuild and they were really promoting Gauthier as like a pillar to this rebuild. And, you know, he would be certainly accentuated in this rebuild. He would without a doubt be a vocal point of it. Um, but maybe he did not like the direction the team was going. That's, I think the best guess you're going to get um, until he comes out and talks. I think truly it's going to be a mystery until he's willing to talk about it and, and be open about why he wanted to go in a different direction and change his mind on Philadelphia. Uh, Jordan Hall joining us, uh, NBC Sports in Philadelphia, covering the Flyers. But here's my thing. like The Flyers are in a playoff spot, though. Like As much as this is a rebuild, it's looking okay for this organization right now, isn't it? 
I think so, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I think the city is starting to get back on board with, you know, hockey in Philadelphia. The Flyers, without a doubt, were in a fight with some of their fans over the last few years as the team really bottomed out and went through change. And now it's embracing a rebuild, and the rebuild's kind of been expedited. Uh, they're, they're competing for a playoff spot, and uh, and they're still focusing on the future as well. But people have been pretty impressed with what Briere and Jones have done, and they've been very open and honest and transparent on things. Um, but, you know, Philadelphia is still a major market in the NHL. I mean, players want to come here and play. Uh, I, for the most part, you hear a lot of positive things about the Flyers organization and how they do things and how Ed Snyder founded the organization and and uh, really had – people doing first-class type of things here in Philadelphia. So, without a doubt, it was confounding when it when Briere came out and said, it turned out Gauthier did not want to play here. I think he even smiled. The GM of the team smiled and said, you guys might know more than I do because we have not gotten an answer. So, everything is very confusing, and I think it's going to be very, very interesting to, one, hear when Gauthier talks, and two, the, uh, when Gauthier first plays here in Philadelphia, um, I think the atmosphere is just going to be uh, quite raucous, and um, I actually feel for the kid because I think it's going to be really just kind of him against Philly, and which uh, is not fun for, I think, a 19-, 20-year-old kid. Uh, Jordan Hall joining us, a Philadelphia uh, Flyers reporter, NBC Sports. That was my next question. Uh, you're in Philly. You know it. You see it. Eagles fans, you know, boot Santa and throw snowballs at him. Uh, a fan at the Philadelphia Flyer game tried to fight Ty Domi uh, when he fell into the penalty box. Um, Phillies fans threw batteries at baseball players. Um, what is coming his way? The first time the Ducks roll in in next season, whenever it is, what what is it going to be like for uh, Cutter Gauthier? Quite honestly, they're going to be on top of him. And I like a piece of advice maybe would be, and I've I've talked to Cutter Gauthier. I you know when he when he got drafted, I had a one on one Zoom interview with him, and I I thought the kid was a great kid. I I thought to myself, wow, this this player is going to be here a long time, and he's going to be a difference maker. He just feels like he he's a silly fit. Turns out he isn't. But like a piece of advice would probably be turn off his social media because I mean Philly's unique in a way that like it's twenty four seven, it's nonstop. People will find creative ways to make things difficult for you when you come here if you uh, if you do them wrong. And they don't forget things. Um, Anaheim comes here once a season, so we're not sure when the Flyers will finally see Cutter Gauthier play a game in Philadelphia as a visiting player, but uh, you can be sure that no one's going to forget what happened. And I think even what he has to say, you know, there's two sides to a story, and I'm very open and willing to hear what Cutter Gauthier has to say, but I'm not sure fans are going to, really want to listen too much. I think they know what has happened, and they know he clearly did not want to play here, and I'm not sure they're going to forgive him for it. Um, and it's going to be a long time, I think, until they ever really get over it. Yeah, I was like, Bill might be 35 in the NHL and still be getting booed in Philly uh, later on in his career, uh, Jordan. But real quick, I'm going to flip the script on you. Okay, uh, I know you, you cover sports in Philadelphia. What's going on with the Eagles? Are they going to turn this thing around uh, in front of this wild card game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or what? Because it has not ended well uh, for the Eagles in the 2023 season. No, it is not. And the city cannot be any more down on the team, to be quite honest. Uh, 
just because, I mean, they were 10-1 and one and there were Super Bowl expectations, not just getting to the Super Bowl, but winning the Super Bowl. And now I think people are really wondering if they can even win a game in the playoffs. Part of me kept thinking, well, this team always fuels on underdog mentality. Maybe, like, everyone being against them, even their own fans kind of doubting them, would light a fire. But it just hasn't happened. I mean, they've lost to the Cardinals. They've lost to the Giants. Um, they've had things go against them in terms of injuries, um, just the health situation. And people are doubting whether they're still buying in to the way the coach, Nick Sirianni, is <laughs> uh, doing things. Um, I just don't think it looks pretty. I just think uh, there's just no confidence right now and too many question marks. Um, do I think they could win a game? Yeah, I think they could probably go into Tampa and win a game. But as as far as making a run to the Super Bowl, I'm just not sure anyone has any faith in them doing that. And it's just hard to believe how south it went, how quickly it went south. Um, uh, but perhaps all the close games they were playing earlier in the season and kind of living on the edge a little too bit, a little too much. Um, came back to bite them and kind of came back to reality. So uh, I think Eagles fans are going to be they're going to watch and they're going to be ready and hoping. But the second something goes wrong against the Bucks, I think uh, it could turn fast. Well, Jordan, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here in Saskatchewan this afternoon. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Take care. That is Jordan Hall, NBC Sports reporter in Philadelphia, covering the Flyers. Is yes, young kid, Cutter Goche, fifth overall pick. Like the investment you put in a kid at fifth overall in the NHL, so important. And to have a young man ghost you as an organization, like this go this trickles over for me to what are the Anaheim Ducks getting? Like if something goes wrong in Anaheim, is this a kid who's gonna be buying in and or is he gonna be looking for the exit door for his next trade? Because it's not going his way. Not a great way to start a career, although Philadelphia has been on the other end of it uh, with Eric Lindros not wanting to be a Quebec Nordique and being traded to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, coming up here on the Green Zone, our game of the night on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Jamie and I with you here in the Green Zone on this Tuesday. Uh, our game of the night here on the Green Zone. I'll tell you what, it's a little bit of a battle today. We're going to, it's a busy night in the National Hockey League. You got 10 games, a lot of Canadian teams on the ice. The Oilers are playing, like, I'm sorry to be disrespectful, but they're playing a lot of nobodies for the Chicago Blackhawks. A producer, Scott, and I were just talking about the roster for the Blackhawks. Like, they have so many people injured. Of course, Taylor Hall is injured. Nick Foligno's injured. Connor Bedard is injured. Um, they got rid of Corey Perry. There's other injuries there. Whew, they are digging deep to fill a roster for the Edmonton Oilers. So if you like goals uh, for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, that should be your game of the night. I, it feels selfish to do it, but... I'm going to go Canucks and Islanders. The Canucks and Rangers were the, uh, well, they weren't the game of the night. It was my second game of the night because of the national championship in football last night. Uh, but the Canucks and Islanders is one of those matchups uh, tonight when you look at two playoff teams going on right now. The Islanders tied with Philly for third place in the Metropolitan Division. The Canucks 
are one point back of the Winnipeg Jets for the number one record in the National Hockey League. The Jets are also on the ice tonight against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, um, who aren't good. So I'll go Canucks and the New York Islanders tonight. And if you're an Oiler fan and like watching your team score goals, enjoy tonight's game in Chicago.